Hallelujah. Before I introduce uh, the evangelists Daniel and Jessica King, uh, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. The last couple of weeks, we've passed out the white and the blue cards. Did anybody not receive one of these? Okay, there's a couple people at the front. And yes, and we also have a magnet packet that we've handed out. So if you can raise your hand, if you did not get one, we want to make sure that you are a part of this and that you can join us. And if some of you have filled them out, but you weren't here last week or you missed, um, you can bring them up. You can put them in the offering at the end. We'll pull them out of the offering. If you could put the blue ones in. We had over 50 commitment cards last week. We had over 50 commitment cards last week. That's you. You should be excited about what you're praying for. Pastor Nelson. And those that aren't here, I know I'm expecting we're going to hit close to 60. Uh, Yes, we had, I had somebody call me from um, Vernon. I want to join in. They heard it online, so I have to be very careful how I preach now. Um, But they heard it online. They called and they said, what can we do? I want to be involved. And then this week we were praying for a couple that goes to the Romanian church that God is just amazingly connecting us with. And uh, he, he said, oh, I, I heard it and I want, and he enjoys it. And so he's going to join in with us. So that's, uh, I'm excited about that. So we want to give you the opportunity. Um, I'm not going to explain it much more than that because most of the people heard it. But if you need explanation, track me down or track any of the elders or the pastors down. And uh, it's up to them to explain it clearly and concisely. Smile, somebody smile. (laughs) Um, Before the children go to Sunday school, I've asked uh, evangelists Daniel and Jessica if they would pray over these. Amen? We had the privilege of spending the day with them yesterday. And their passion, and uh, and it's both of them. Uh, We were sitting having dinner, and you spoke a prophetic word a word of the Lord to me, just to say, just show him Jesus. I mean, you almost jumped out of your seat when you said it. She was sitting back and she just, tell him about Jesus. That's an instruction and I receive it. Um, but we are blessed to have them with us today. They're going to they're gonna share. But before they share, I would love for you just to pray over these. These are commitments that we are going to pray for those around us that we want to see come to know Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that this church is a soul-winning church, a church that cares about people. And Lord, I thank you for these commitments to pray for people, each one reaching to people. Lord, I pray that these people would come into the kingdom of God. We pray that you would send people across their paths to to witness to them, to minister to them. Lord, I pray that you would use us to reach out to them. Lord, I pray that every family that's represented here in this basket would come to know you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Stay up here. Amen. Can we give a warm welcome to Evangelist Daniel and Jessica King? Go for it. Thank you.
Hallelujah. And in Rolla, Missouri, I didn't know whether to pronounce it Rolla or Rolla. And I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of the whole church. So on the way, I stopped and I asked someone. I said, excuse me, could you please tell me where am I? And the guy looked at me real strange. And I said, say it very slowly so I can understand you. And he leaned across the counter and he said, McDonald's. <laughs> so... I'm delighted to be here. And Jessica and I are missionary evangelists. When I was 15 years old, I was reading a success book. It said, if you want to be successful, you need to write down your goals. And one of the goals they said would be good for young people is to try to become a millionaire by the age of 30. How many of you would like to be millionaires by the age of 30? What about by the age of 60 for some of you? Second time around, 90 for a few of you. Well, I realized that. Because of my upbringing as a missionary in the nation of Mexico, that money was not what was important to me. What was important was souls. And so at the age of 15, I wrote this down on a piece of paper. I, Daniel King, wanted to lead one million people to Jesus before I turned 30 years of age. Instead of trying to become a millionaire, I wanted to lead a million heirs into the kingdom of God. And so that's what I started going for. And when I went to college while I was still in, at the university, started traveling and preaching in different nations. And uh, I'm excited to announce to you that we completed that goal of leading a million people to Jesus before I turned 30 years of age. Isn't that exciting? And so I was praying and asking God, you know, what comes next? And I felt God put it in my spirit, go for a million souls every single year. And so that's what we're all about. Last year, we gave away 530,000 books to new believers uh, all over the world. Isn't that exciting? And uh, we're just uh, believing God every year for a million souls, that a million people would come into the kingdom of God. And we accomplished that by doing massive miracle crusades where we'll preach to thousands of people, pastors' conferences, literature distribution, and then humanitarian outreach. And, and so we just recently came back from the nation of Haiti. Um, after the earthquake, uh, they had lots of people go in there and, and minister in, in Haiti. But uh, there's still such huge, tremendous need. And there was a lot of humanitarian outreach, but we wanted to go and to preach the gospel. So we went and... We, were, we did a big crusade. Thousands of people came. And it was really interesting. On the night that we preached about the Holy Spirit, there was a dove that came and sat on the roof right above the platform. And then when we prayed for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that dove took off and it flew three times around the audience and then sat back down there. And so I've never seen anything like that. And that night we also had demon-possessed people that started to manifest. And so when both the Holy Spirit and demons show up at your service, you know you're doing a good job. <laughs> and so I, I just want to show you a video from the nation of Haiti so you can kind of see uh, what God did there in the nation of Haiti. Thank you. 
This young man is named Will Knock. He's 27 years old, and tonight he's given his life to Jesus Christ. He followed our team around for over a month, helping them put up posters on the walls. And in the middle of the night last night, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a beautiful place with lots of beautiful houses, and he saw a man in a white robe come and speak to him. He said, I need to meet this man. And so tonight he came and he met Jesus for the first time. He's decided to live his life for Jesus. Jesus has saved him. He's one in a million. Jesus is touching people here in the nation of Haiti. God bless you. Every night when this woman sleeps, an evil spirit has been coming and tormenting her. But when we prayed, she felt the evil spirit leave. And now she is free. Isn't that cool to see what God did there in the nation of Haiti? Our translator that was translating for us, after the earthquake, uh, we were able to rebuild his house. His entire house fell down. And so another church here in Canada gave us money uh, after the earthquake. You remember when everyone was uh, sending money to Haiti? They said, you know someone in Haiti that needs help? And so we sent it to her him and he helped he, we helped him rebuild his house and then when we went back he's our translator and he does a really great job translating for us and so Jessica and I uh, par, a big part of our ministry is books I love to write books to help people to get closer to God and so we've got some really tremendous resources on the table back here this book is called the power of the seed and it's everything that the Bible says about giving and receiving seed time and harvest. And so if you need a harvest in your life, that's a tremendous book. And then I saw that you guys are having the healing weekend coming up. And I'm really passionate about healing. I believe that God is a healer, that God wants everyone to be healed. And, and so this is a really powerful book. It's called uh, Healing Power, Experiencing the Miracle Touch of Jesus. And I, I want to give this to my brother. Who was believing for healing? Um, yeah. Could you? What's your full name? Monique. Monique. Do people call you Mo? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure I get that right. Yeah. Give that, give that to him. I wanted to, yeah, I'm really passionate about healing. And then this book, the secret of Obed Edom, hardly anyone has ever heard of Obed Edom. He's an obscure Bible character. But if you will read this book, his story will change your story. And so just a really great book. This, this story provides the perfect picture of what the ideal Christian life should look like. Just a really powerful teaching. Uh, firepower, igniting genuine passion for Jesus. How to catch the fire of God. How to keep the fire of God. How to spread the fire of God. A soul-winning inspiration for leading people to Jesus. We're going to talk about soul-winning this morning. This book is a really great one for young people. It's called Move, How to Fulfill God's Will for Your Life. And a lot of young people are wondering, where should I go to school? Who should I marry? What should I do with my life? This book will help answer those questions. 
the power of fasting. Every year at the beginning of the year, I like to set aside time for fasting and prayer. And so this is a great time of year to read about fasting. And then welcome to the kingdom. And uh, we, so we got some really great resources back there. And, and so come back to the table and, and, and take a look at it. And how many of you would like a free book? Raise your hand if you'd like a free book. All right, this is what uh, we like to do. Um, I've set up so that uh, if you give us your email address, then I will automatically email you a coupon so that you can get three free ebooks. You just click on it and you can download three free books to your iPad or your computer or something. And so I like giving those things away. Uh, and so if you'll give us your email address, we'll send three books to you for free. And uh, if you give us your address, we'll send you a free DVD um, and uh, some other material that we want to do, do to be a blessing to you. And so, and also my wife has some beautiful necklaces back there from the nation of Nepal. Uh, they're handmade in Nepal by women that have been rescued from sex trafficking. And so it's a ministry that Jessica worked with there in the nation of Nepal. So, all right, let's get into the word of God. Let, let's begin today uh, with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that this is a soul-winning church and that this church will be responsible for leading many people to Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for a mighty harvest of souls in this church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to take you on a journey through the end of every single gospel in the beginning of the book of Acts. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. These are the last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. He has resurrected from the dead, spent time with the disciples. He's about ready to ascend to heaven. And he has one last instruction that he wants to give before he goes to heaven. And he must have repeated it several different times in several different ways because each of the Gospels records this thought in a slightly different way. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, go and make disciples of all nations. All right, now turn with me over to Mark chapter 16. Verse 15, this is known as the Great Commission. It's not just a good suggestion. It is a commandment for every believer. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Everyone say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All right, now let's turn over to Luke chapter 24, verse 47, it says repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Everyone say forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. All right, now turn with me to John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
Everyone say, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And now just turn one page over, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Everyone say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Five times this instruction is repeated for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so five times the same thought is repeated. And how many of you know if something is repeated five times, it's repeated because it is important. A few weeks ago, Jessica woke up and the first thing that she had on her mind was that we needed some bread. And so she turned over to me in bed and she says, Daniel, later on, when you go to the store, could you please bring home some bread? And I was barely awake, but I say, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So then we're get up, we're eating breakfast and she wants some toast. And again, she notices that there's no bread in the house. So again, she repeated to me and says, Daniel, make sure you bring home some bread. I said, yes, dear, I will do that. And so then I'm taking our kids to school. We have a, a three-year-old boy, a one-year-old girl, and I put them in the car. I'm, I'm driving out of the garage, and the door opens up, and Jessica sticks her head out, and I roll my window down, and, and she yells and says, Daniel, make sure you get some bread. So I take my kids to school. I'm dropping them off, and then suddenly my phone rings. Yes? Yeah, I'm, I'm just dropping the kids off at school. I'm going to the store now. Uh-huh. I'm going to get, yeah, yeah. I'll get some bread, honey. Yeah, I love you too. Yeah. Okay. So then I'm at the store. I get my shopping cart, grab some milk, grab some cereal, pushing it around. And then suddenly, beep, beep. It's a text message. It's from my wife, Jessica. Just one word. Bread. Now, what would happen If I got all the way home and I forgot to bring the bread, what do you think would happen? Now, what happens if Jesus comes back and we fail to do the one thing that he told us to do? Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke Repentance and forgiveness of sins will preach in his name to every nation. John, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you, Acts. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon me. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Five times this instruction is given. What happens if Jesus returns and we haven't done what he told us to do? This instruction is for every disciple. How many of you are disciples of Jesus Christ? A disciple is someone who has chosen to follow Jesus. This is not just an instruction for the pastor or for the evangelist. This is an instruction for every single believer. Every single one of us is called to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. I still remember when I became passionate about soul winning. I was on a mission trip to the nation of Jamaica. 
and I was about 14 years old, and we were doing a, a, a mini crusade in a neighborhood there, and so all day long, we were running through the streets in Jamaica, knocking on doors, passing out flyers, inviting people to come to the crusade. And Jamaica is a very hot, very humid nation, and so by the end of the day, we were just hot and sweaty and tired. All we wanted to do was to go back to our hotel and take a shower and fall into bed. And so uh, we went back to the hotel and there was a problem. All the water in the hotel had been shut off. And so we weren't able to take a shower. So someone in our group was a really smart missionary and they decided, let's go down to the hotel swimming pool and let's wash off in the hotel swimming pool. And so that's what we did. We took our soap, we took our shampoo, we went down to the swimming pool, and we were, we were washing all the dirt off. And as we were swimming, I noticed that off on the edge of the pool, there was a panel that was smoking. And I thought to myself, panels are not supposed to smoke. And so very stupidly, I decided to swim over and investigate this smoking panel. And so I swam through the water. I saw sparks coming out and, and smoke and everything. And, and as I'm looking at the panel, suddenly the light that's under the water, it shocked my leg. And it scared me because you can die from something like that. This whole side of my body went numb. I, I pulled myself out of the pool and I just walked away. I started to thank God. I said, thank you, God, so much for saving me. And I was about six steps away from the pool when suddenly I remembered that all of my friends were still in the pool. And I became very concerned for their safety. So I rushed back over to them and I started yelling. I said, guys, guys, get out of the pool. If you stay in the pool, you're going to die. Get out of the pool. And my friends, they said, Daniel is just playing a practical joke. They would not believe me. And, and they would not get out of the pool. And so I was yelling, guys, get out of the pool, get out of the pool. And I was grabbing them by the hair and pulling them out of the pool and talking them out and doing whatever I could to save their lives. And finally, they realized how serious I was. And they all got out of the pool. And right then, God spoke to me. He said, Daniel... You need to have the same passion saving people from hell as you showed saving your friends from that pool. You see, a lot of people, they get saved and they walk away saying, thank you, God, for saving me. But they forget that there's a world full of people out there that are dying and going to hell. And I was willing to do whatever it took to rescue my friends from that swimming pool. I talked to them. I yelled at them. I even physically grabbed them and pulled them out of the swimming pool. And so we need to do whatever it takes to grab people and bring them with us to heaven. Someone said that witnessing is simply one starving man who found bread going and telling all the other starving men where they can find bread. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, there's a youth group. And the name of this youth group is 180. And the significance of that is that you're supposed to turn 180 degrees away from your sin and go towards God. And that's a good name for a youth group. But I always thought that if I had a youth group, I would name it 360. Not because it would be better than that youth group, but I think we should turn 180 degrees away from our sin. And then I think we should go back and rescue other people who are still living in sin. Or you could just name your youth group 720 and be the dizzy Christians. But the point is that there is a world full of people out there 
that need Jesus. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Everyone hold up one finger like this. You remember the song from Sunday school? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, just recently, my family visited one of the greatest natural wonders in the world, a place called Carlsbad Caverns. It's a huge cave in the state of New Mexico in the United States. And so you start at the mouth of the cave. It's this big, huge mouth, just dark inside. And there's lots of bats that live in there. And then you can walk down into the cave. And so as we walked on the paths down into the cave, the guide told us stories about the original explorers of this cave. They were extremely brave men and women who would explore using nothing but a tiny candlelight. And so we walked down, 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 down into the deep, dark depths of the cave. And as we walked, they told us these stories about the explorers. And then when we got to the bottom of the cave, over two kilometers underground, they sat us down on a bench. And the guide told us that she wanted to duplicate for us the conditions that the original explorers went through. And so she walked over to the light switch and she turned out the lights. And suddenly it was dark. It was so dark. I couldn't see the person next to me. It was so dark. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Total and complete darkness. And she let us sit there for about five minutes so our eyes would adjust to the darkness. Then she reached in her pocket and she pulled out a cigarette lighter. Now, when she said she was going to light that cigarette lighter, I thought to myself, this darkness is so thick that that tiny cigarette lighter is not going to make much of a difference. Maybe we'll be able to see a little area around her face, maybe at most a little area around her feet. But when she lit that light, we were in a room about two or three times the size of this room. That little light suddenly lit up the entire room. We could see the stalactites. We could see the stalagmites. We could see all the people in our group. That cave was a very dark place. But all it took was one light to light up the dark cave. Now, the world is a very dark place. In fact, Pastor David was telling me that just here in, in Vancouver is one of the least evangelized areas in all of Canada. Fewer churches in Vancouver than anywhere else in all of Canada. Well, the world is a very dark place. There's a lot of people right here in this area that need Jesus. Is that true? And Jesus says that you are the light of the world. The world is a very dark place, but all it takes is one light to line up a dark place. And each one of you is a light in the midst of darkness. Jessica, come up here. And let's sing the song, This Little Light of Mine. Come on, hold up your little light. Come on, let me see your light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. 
Shine it around till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Shine it around till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Shine it around till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. I won't let Satan blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine. I won't let Satan blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine. I won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Amen. How many of you want to be a shining light for Jesus? Amen. That's what Jesus has called this church to be. God has called this church to be a lighthouse. Yesterday in Vancouver, we went down to the point where they have a, a lighthouse that's been there since the 1800s. And th- we saw the story of the lighthouse keeper. He would uh, put the light in the lighthouse in the middle of the storm. And every night at nine o'clock, he would run. There was a cannon there, the nine o'clock cannon. He'd always shoot off the cannon. And so we saw, and they said he used to live there. What a beautiful place to live right there uh, on the point in Vancouver. And and his purpose was to be a shining light in the midst of great darkness. And so that's what God has called this church to be. We need a nine o'clock cannon to call people to church every Sunday morning. (laughs) 1030 cannon, yeah. We got to do it at nine o'clock to wake them up so that they can get here in time for church. But the point is that this church is called to be a shining light in the midst of great darkness. God has raised this church up to be a lighthouse, to shine God's love to this entire region. How many of you believe that's true? Amen. And so I believe that's a, that's a prophetic word, a prophetic picture. This church is called to be like a lighthouse in Jesus name. Amen. You know, there's there's two types of churches. And I want to introduce you to these two types of churches. And, and so I need some help. Um, I was wondering, w- would you be willing to help me out? What's your name? Josh, come on up here, Josh. And then I need a, another person. Um, my brother here. Come on up here. Remind me your name again. Kilta. Kilta. Okay. Um, These, Josh and Kilta, are going to represent two different pastors. Okay? So, Josh, if you could stay right here. Uh, Kilta, if you could come and stand right over here. Now, both of these pastors love God. Both of these pastors are men of faith. And God hears both of these pastors and answers their prayers. But there is a slightly uh, slight difference in the prayers that they're praying. And so Pastor Josh, he has just started his church. And he notices that in his church, there are no chairs. And so he begins to pray and to cry out and say, God, give me a chair. And so just take this microphone. Lift your hands to heaven and say, God, give us chairs. God, give us chairs. Strong chairs, comfortable chairs, chairs you can fall asleep in, but you won't. Oh, Lord, give us the best chairs in the world. Oh, look, a chair. 
All right, and so God answers his prayer. Have a seat, Pastor Josh. Let's thank God. Clap for God. He's a good God. Now, over here, Pastor Kilta, a gift from God, he's just started his church. He has a slightly different prayer than Pastor Josh. His prayer is, God, give me a soul. And so take the microphone. Would you lift your hands towards heaven and say, God, give me a soul. Give me someone that needs Jesus. God, give me someone that needs Jesus. Someone that will win soul to you. Someone that will deliver many people to you. Oh, Lord, give me soul. Give me soul in the name of Jesus. Bring soul to my church in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can you hear that anointing? Wow, that's good. All right. Now, God answers his prayer. So I want you to go out there. Look for someone who looks like they need Jesus and bring them back up here, okay? <laughs> Go get someone that needs Jesus and bring them back up here. <laughs> one, 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 one. For now, one. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. Now, now, Pastor Josh, he's over here. He's, he's got his comfortable chairs. He's falling asleep in them. And uh, he notices that he doesn't have a sound system. And so he starts praying to say, God, give me a sound system. Oh, Lord, I need a sound system so that people can hear me speak nice and loud. Especially those who are hearing impaired, Lord. <laughs> Best sound system ever. All right, and look at that. God answers his prayer. Can, can we clap for Jesus? All right. Now over here... Pastor Kilta, he's led um, Mo to Jesus, and she really needed Jesus, so praise the Lord. And uh, so he's been discipling her, and he's been teaching her to pray the same type of prayer that he prays. And so both of them together, they're, they're praying for souls. And so both of you lift up your hands towards heaven and say, God, give us souls. Give us somebody that needs Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. That's good. Those are good prayers. All right. Now, what I want each of you to do, each of you, go find someone that needs Jesus and then come back up here. <laughs> All right. And so Pastor Josh, he's over here and he, he's, he's praying. He's a man of prayer. And he notices that uh, he doesn't have a, a music stand. Oh, no. <laughs> Lord, I pray for a music stand. One that isn't too distracting to the congregation, but holds the music just perfectly. Uh, you know, they can hold hours worth of music, Lord, so that I can bless the congregation. All right, and so over here, this whole congregation is being trained up as soul winners. They are looking for opportunities to share Jesus. They are a shining light in the midst of a dark world. They are actively sharing their faith with their neighbors, with their friends, on Facebook. They're just everywhere they go. They're talking about how good Jesus is and leading people to Jesus. And the whole church is praying for souls. And so, guys, just lift up your hands towards heaven. Come on, pray strong. <laughs> Amen. All right. Now, what I want you all to do, go find someone that needs Jesus and bring them back up here.
Well, look at this. The congregation is growing. People are coming to Jesus. <laughs> Someone needs to lead Pastor David to Jesus. All right. And so... Look at, look at what God is doing over here. Isn't this exciting? And then in one night, Jesus returns. And God loves Pastor Josh. <laughs> Pastor Josh is going to heaven. But guess what, Pastor Josh? When you go to heaven, you can't take this music stand with you to heaven. There's no need for it in heaven. You know, Pastor Josh, you can't take your sound system with you to heaven. You can't, you have to stand in front of the throne. You can't have a, you can't have your seat. So he gets to go to heaven, but he can't take any of this stuff with him to heaven. But over here, look at all of the people that you get to bring with you to heaven. When... The only thing you can take with you to heaven is people. And so as a church, where should the focus of our prayers be? I think our focus should be on souls. You know, it's great to have chairs. Thank God for chairs. But listen, chairs are just a tool that we use to reach people. Thank God for a beautiful building. What a blessing. But listen, the building is just a tool that we can use to bring in the harvest. Thank God for the sound system. Thank God. We need that. But, you know, the amazing thing is, is that if we'll pray for souls, God will give you the chairs. God will give you the sound system. God will give you the building. But I, I think sometimes our focus has, has gotten off. And, and we're praying for things instead of praying for people. And I, I think that this is where our focus should be because people is what's important to God. Souls is what's important to God. And so I believe that this church is called to be this kind of church, a soul winning church. How many think that's true? And we want to bring people with us to heaven. You believe it? Amen. All right. Now, what I want you guys, Josh and all you guys, before you go, I want you to form a circle right here. Get in a circle. Just get in a circle. Circle, circle. Yeah, there you go. Just like that. All right. Now, this circle is going to represent a typical church here in Canada. Now, looking at this circle, how could we make this a better circle? Guys, I want you to get in a little bit closer. Take hands. Get in a little bit closer. This is a typical church here in Canada. This is what a church looks like. How can we make this an even Better circle. Put your arms around each other. Get in a football huddle. Come on. Get in close. Now, this is what a typical church looks like. Notice that when I told them to get in a circle, everyone faced inward instead of... No one tried to take hands like this. And so... And so... A lot of churches, this is what it looks like from the outside. It looks like a nice club, but it doesn't look very welcoming. 
I mean, looking at someone's back isn't very welcoming. Um, You know, it looks like if you could get in the circle, it'd be a nice place to be. But I think a lot of churches, they they look like this. They look closed in. They they look um, like a nice club. But it doesn't look like something that is very welcoming to people out here. And so... What I, what I want you guys to do, put one arm into the middle and with your other arm, reach out to people in the congregation. Now, the Bible says that, uh, you know, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need that fellowship. We need to be connected to somebody, but we also need to reach out to others. And so this is a picture of what I think the church should look like. Instead of being someone's back, you know, when, when their backs were turned to you, they looked a little weird, didn't they? I mean, they, they look kind of strange. And a lot of people look at church and say, you know, church is strange. I don't, I don't think I'd fit in. I don't know. But this way looks so much more welcoming. And so you stay connected to the church. But this is the posture that we show to our community. And so as a church, I think we need to reach out. We need to be reaching out past the four walls of the church and bringing people to Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, let's give them a great big hand. Thank you, guys. And so a lot of people, they understand that we should be leading people to Jesus, but they don't really know how to do it. And so now I want to take the rest of the message and talk a little bit about how to lead people to Jesus. And so I've given you the why. I've given you some inspiration. Now we're going to give you some information on how to be successful at leading people to Jesus. And in order to to really be good at leading people to Jesus, I think we should study the life of the greatest soul winner who ever lived. And that's the life of Jesus. And so open up your Bibles with me to John, the fourth chapter. John chapter four. And this chapter is about Jesus's encounter with the Samaritan woman. John 4 verse 4 it says, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And so, Jesus, he was tired from the journey. He'd woken up early in the morning. Walked all day. It's now the sixth hour. That means it was noontime. The sun was high in the sky. And Jesus is tired. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He sits down by the well, sends his disciples into the town to buy food. And here comes this Samaritan woman. And the first thing that Jesus does, he simply opens a conversation with her. And so I'm going to give you five steps to lead people to Jesus. And the first of the five is to open a conversation. So I want everyone to hold up one finger like this and say, open a conversation. If you're never willing to talk to someone, you'll never be able to lead them to Jesus. 
Now, the Samaritan woman was very surprised that Jesus would talk to her. Back then, the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. They, were, they uh, had a history of, of being enemies. And, and, and so the Samaritan woman was very surprised. It would be very strange for a man, particularly a rabbi, to speak to a strange woman. But Jesus was willing to step outside of his comfort zone into the life of this woman. Each one of us has a comfort zone, a group of people that we feel comfortable with. We're comfortable with our family. We're comfortable with our friends, people that look like us or talk like us or have similar beliefs like to us. And and so we're comfortable. We're we're in our comfort zone. But if we really are wanting to reach people for Jesus, to obey the Great Commission, we have to step outside of where we feel comfortable and open up a conversation with people that are different than us. Now, for me... This is a difficult thing for me to do because I'm introverted in in my personality. Now, for my wife, Jessica, she finds it really easy to start a conversation with someone that she doesn't know. We'll be at the mall, and she'll be trying on a piece of clothing, and she'll grab a random woman that we've never met before. She's like, does this look good on me? And within five minutes, they'll be talking like they're the best friends that have ever lived. I mean, they'll be talking about, oh yeah, no, you need to, you got coupons and, and colors and, you know, there's a better deal in the store over there. I mean, you know, they'll just be talking about everything. And I'm like sitting back and I, I, I haven't said a single word. And so I kind of have to force myself to talk to people, to, to get outside of my little shell and to talk to people. But if I'm ever going to lead people to Jesus, I have to be willing to do that, to talk to people who are different. And so the first step is to open a conversation. Let's read what happens next. Uh, Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so Jesus turns the conversation towards God. He starts talking about living water. And this is the second step to leading people to Jesus is to turn the conversation to God. Everyone hold up two fingers like this and say, turn the conversation towards God. And so in every conversation, I think there's an opportunity to turn the conversation towards the things of God. Just recently, I was on an airplane. Someone came down the aisle. They said, excuse me, sir, is this seat next to you saved? I said, no, that seat's not saved. But I can tell you how you can be saved. (laughs) So what are you doing? You're turning the conversation towards God. Someone says, hey, man, can you give me a light? I said, yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. He's the light of the world. Or you're at the grocery store. They say, would you like paper or plastic? You say, well, would you like to go to heaven or hell? What are you doing? You're turning the conversation towards God. Now, those are kind of cheesy examples, but the principle is true. Now, whatever is inside of you is what's going to come out of you. If you have a water balloon and it's full of water and it gets pricked, what's going to come out? Water. And so whatever's inside of you is what's going to come out of you. If you're full of Jesus, Jesus is what should come out of you. I was recently, I sat down next to a a grandmother and she opened up her purse and pulled out pictures of all her grandkids and started showing me she had 18 grandkids. And look, this is my, my oldest grandchild. This is him as a baby. Now he just went into the military. I mean, she's like talking about all her grandkids and stuff. Why was grandma talking about her grandkids? Because her grandkids are what is important to her. And so if Jesus is important to you, then you should talk about Jesus. No one ever gets mad at someone who's into hot rods talking about hot rods. 
You know, no one gets mad at someone who's really into hockey, <laughs> talking about hockey. I mean, they might get mad at him if they're a hockey fan for a different team. But, but you know, you know, if Jesus is important, you talk about Jesus. Look for ways to turn the conversation towards God. Tell people your testimony, what Jesus has done for you, you know, what he's done in your life. I mean, what a tremendous testimony um, my brother shared about uh, you know, just the healing power of God that flowed through his body. You know, just share people, what has God done Amen. in your life? And so first open a conversation, then turn the conversation towards God. And let's look at what happens next. Uh, verse 16, Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, Jesus had never met this woman before. He didn't know anything about her. But she says, he says, go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. Jesus says, that's right. You've had five husbands. and The man you're living with now is not your husband. How did Jesus know that? Well, he listened to the Holy Spirit and he received what we would call a word of knowledge that helped him in ministering to her situation. And so the third step to leading people to Jesus is to listen to the Holy Spirit. Everyone hold up three fingers and say, listen to the Holy Spirit. People in their lives, they build up walls against the things of God. Maybe they were in church one time. They got hurt by church. Maybe they think everyone in church is a hypocrite. Maybe they've, they, they don't believe there's a God. You know, so they build up walls against the things of God. And you start talking to them about God. Sometimes it feels like you're beating your head against the wall. But if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you the back door to their heart. And will show you what to say and how to say it in order to reach them. And so when you're witnessing, you're not doing it by yourself. The Holy Spirit is working with you, giving you guidance and words to say. And so this is what I call spirit-empowered witnessing or spirit-led witnessing. And so anytime I'm in a conversation with someone, I'll take a step back from the horizontal conversation and I'll go vertical and I'll ask God, God, what would you give me that would help me in ministering to this person? And so one time we were doing a soul winning conference in California and we took our, the entire church out into the neighborhoods. We were knocking on doors and, and, and talking to people. We'd go and say, hey, we're from Calvary Christian Center, and, and we're praying for people here in this neighborhood. Is there anything you need prayer for? So we went to this one door, and this woman, she came to the door, and she immediately says, you know, well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I went to university. I studied all this different philosophy and stuff, and I decided there is no God. You're ridiculous for even believing. And she's just very militant, anti-God. She was an atheist. And so, you know, I'm just listening to her and and there's all this bitterness and and hate towards Christians were just coming out of her. And I just felt God say, ask her about her children. And I received, I didn't know whether she had children or not, but I just felt that impression from the Holy Spirit to ask about her children. And and so I, I asked her and said, you know, do you have kids? Um, I, I didn't make it super spiritual or anything. Just saith the Lord. Your children, you know, tell me about them. <laughs> I didn't make it super spiritual. Just, you know, tell, tell me about your kids. And so she started talking and said, you know, my son, he's, uh, 
17 years old. He just got in trouble with the law. He's been thrown into juvenile detention. My daughter, she's been having problems at school. And, and she started talking about her, her two kids. And tears began to come out of her eyes. And she started to cry. And, and she said, you know, I really need you to pray for them. <laughs> and so we took hands. We prayed together. And so this woman who just moments ago was talking about how she was a, a strong atheist. Now she's crying and says, we need to pray for my kids. And so if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll give you something that will help you in ministering to someone. One time I was in a, a restroom at a restaurant and this guy was standing there washing his hands at the sink beside me. And I just felt like God say, you know, pray for his back. And so I said, excuse me, sir, you know, um, do, do you have pain in your back? Is there something wrong in your back? He says, yeah, I was in a motorcycle accident two years ago. He says, it's been really sore. And so right there in the bathroom, I laid my hands on him and, and prayed for him. He's like, wow, that feels good. My, my back feels so much better. I said, you know, Jesus just healed you. Would you like to meet Jesus? And led him to the Lord right there in the bathroom. And, and, and so um, you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. You're not in this by yourself. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. He puts his words in your mouth. Amen. Let's look at what happens next. Um, Verse 20, the woman says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus answers her. It's a long answer, but verse 24, he says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And so what happens at this point in the conversation frequently happens. This woman tries to start a spiritual argument with Jesus. Have you ever tried to witness to someone and they try to start a spiritual argument. They say, well, you know, we worship on this mountain, but you Jews, you worship on that mountain. And so the woman's trying to start a spiritual argument, but Jesus doesn't really argue with her. Instead, he shows love to her. And so this is the fourth step to leading people to Jesus is to show love. Everyone hold up four fingers and say, show love. And so our goal is not to win arguments. Our goal is to win souls. I'm an intellectual type person. I like to read books. I like to argue. I'm good at arguing. But I discovered that I could argue with someone and prove that they were wrong, but totally turn them away from God. And so I discovered that my goal is not to argue with people or to prove that they're wrong. My goal is to show love to them. This is something I learned ever since Jessica and I got married. (laughs) My goal in our marriage is not to win arguments. My goal is to show love to my wife. And so, you know, sometimes if we had a a disagreement, you know, say we wanted to go out to eat. I said, let's go to this restaurant. And she says, no, the food's not good at that restaurant. You know, we could argue about it. I could prove that the food was good at that restaurant. But it would end up totally destroying the whole date. And so my goal is not to win arguments. My goal is to love my wife. I found as long as she feels loved, it doesn't matter what. Oh, yeah, let's go to that restaurant. That's a good restaurant. You know, and in our marriage, you know, if we're, we are, you know, 99.9% of the time, I'm right. Uh, I'm the man. I'm right. <laughs> but. 
I discovered that I could be right and still be wrong. (laughs) And the same is true when we're witnessing to people. We got to show love to people. And so the way I show love is by listening. Someone said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so when I'm witnessing, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time just listening to them and where, them, where they're at. And then that will show me where I need to go in ministering to their situation and to their need. Everyone say, love people. Love people. And then let's look at the last thing that happens Verse 25, the woman says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And so the last thing Jesus did, he revealed himself to the woman. And so the fifth way to lead people to God is to reveal Jesus. Everyone hold up five fingers and say, reveal Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men onto me. And so if you can reveal Jesus, the more people know about Jesus, the more likely they are to come to God. When I preach to big crowds of people, usually we'll have Hindus or Muslims, um, you know, Buddhists or atheists, you know, we'll be preaching them. And so my goal is never to say anything negative about their religion or anything negative about their prophet. I never say anything negative. All I do is I lift up Jesus. I begin by showing them what Jesus did in the Bible. Then I'll tell them testimonies of what Jesus has done in the lives of others. And then I'll share my own testimony and tell them what Jesus has done in my life. And then I'll tell them, this is what Jesus can do for you. And so by the end of my message, my goal is to make Jesus irresistible. To make Jesus look so good that when I give the altar call, I'll say, how many of you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? How many of you want Jesus to forgive your sins? Virtually 100% of the crowd raises their hand, whether it's Muslim, whether it's Hindu, everyone wants to meet Jesus. Why? Because Jesus looks so good. And so the more you talk about Jesus, the more likely you are to bring people to a saving knowledge with him. And so the disciples, they come back and they're surprised to find Jesus speaking with this Samaritan woman. Jesus lectures them and he says, lift up your eyes. Do you not say four months more? And then the harvest, I tell you, open your eyes. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And the disciples didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about. But, but get what happened. These 12 disciples, 12 professional preachers, they've been following Jesus around. They walked into the town. And as they walked in, this Samaritan woman came by and not one of them talked to her. They went in, they bought bread. Right outside the store where they bought bread, there was a crippled woman. They knew that Jesus healed the cripples, but they didn't bring the crippled woman back to him. Across the street, maybe there was a a blind guy. They knew Jesus opened blind eyes, but none of them brought him back. They buy their bread. They come back. They don't bring a single person to Jesus. This woman, she gets her life changed. She runs to the village. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And she brings the entire village back to Jesus. And so this tells me that if we can reach just one person, we can potentially impact an entire family, an entire city, an entire region. If we can reach just one person for Jesus, it can have a big impact for the kingdom of God. Amen? And and so I believe that God wants to empower you to lead people to Jesus. And if you'll follow these five steps, you'll be able to lead people to Jesus. Let's review. Number one, start, start a conversation. Number two, number three, 
listen to the Holy Spirit. Number four, love people. Number five, reveal Jesus. Amen. And so if you want God to use you to lead people to Jesus, I want to ask you to jump to your feet right now. If you want to obey the words of Jesus, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, just jump to your feet. And I'm going to pray for Holy Spirit empowerment to come on you to lead people to Jesus. Just lift your hands towards heaven and receive from God right now. Dear God in heaven, I pray that this church would be a soul-winning church. That many people would come to know you through the words and through the labors of the people in this church. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us to bring in the harvest. Make us your harvesters. We want to be laborers in your fields. As we go out into our communities, as we go spend time with our family members, as we go anoint us to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just lift up your hands to heaven and say this with me. Say, my hands are healing hands. Every person I touch feels the touch of Jesus. Now place your hands on your eyes and say, God, open my eyes so I can see your harvest. Put your hand on your ears and say, God, Open my ears so I can hear the cries of those that need Jesus. Now place your hands on your feet and say, my feet are beautiful because I bring good news everywhere I go. And last, place your hand on your mouth and say, my voice is a gospel voice. Every word I speak brings people to Jesus. Hallelujah. This morning, I spoke about soul winning, leading people to Jesus. There is a heaven. There is a hell. The Bible says that every person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The price for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts 2.21 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from their sins. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to be saved. If everyone could just close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're here today and you say, yeah, I need Jesus. I want Jesus to forgive my sin. I want my soul to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with God. Just lift your hands towards heaven. If that's you, if you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you want Jesus to forgive your sin, lift your hand high and let me see your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Over here, just lift your hand if you want Jesus to forgive your sin this morning. All right, everyone, say this with me. Say, dear God in heaven, I cry out to Jesus. Jesus, save me. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And today I cry out to Jesus. Save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's clap for Jesus. Hallelujah.
You may be seated. Jessica and I have been to over 60 nations now, led over a million people to Jesus. Our next crusade is in the nation of India. How many of you think India needs Jesus? So we're going to be going to India. We'll be doing a massive crusade. We're going to a city of about 50,000 people. And at our crusade, there will be at least 15 to 20,000 people. And so that's going to have a massive impact on that region. We'll be doing a pastor's conference, a leadership conference. And then we will also be building a church to help follow up on the new believers. How many think follow up is important? And so we're buying a piece of land. We're building a church building on that land. And there's a pastor that's recently graduated from a Bible school in India. We're going to send him and his family there. And we're going to pay for his salary the entire first year that he's there. And so we're planning a church in that village. And so a pastor, David, said that the church would receive an offering for us. And the entire offering, everything that you give, is going to go towards building that church, doing that crusade in the nation of India. And so the cost for buying the land is $1,000. The cost to, for each of the bricks is about $25. Um, to, then in front of the church, we're going to dig a well because the village doesn't have fresh water. So we're praying that as the people come for fresh water, that they'll find the living water that comes from Jesus Christ. And so the cost of digging the well is a, about $1,500. The cost of putting the, the roof on the church is about $1,000. The, the whole church project will be $11,000. And then the crusade to rent the sound system and do all the advertising, we're putting thousands of dollars towards that to, today too. So, so everything that you give will go towards building that church, doing that crusade in the nation of India. And so I'd ask you to give something very generous Help us out. Uh, be generous. You know, perhaps someone could help us buy the land. Perhaps someone could say, yeah, I'll, I'll do the roof of the church. But whatever you can do, do something to help us to reach the nation of India. Pastor David, thank you so much. Amen. Amen. I want to... Uh... <laughs> Amen. We have an opportunity to plant a seed. You never get a harvest if you never plant a seed. And I don't think I've ever heard the presentation of the gospel so simply, so clearly, and so concisely. Thank you. If you didn't take notes, you better download this podcast and write them out. Because I don't think this was just an evangelist coming by. This is the word of God for us. This is what we are praying for and believing God for this year. And as you go this year and as you pray one for two, you're going to get opportunities and those people are going to come across your paths. And the evangelist Daniel here has given us insight from the scriptures on how to lead them and how to point them to Christ. It's not a philosophy. It's biblical. So we, we have received the blessing and the reward of an evangelist today. The Bible says when you receive a prophet, you receive his reward. When you receive a righteous man, you receive the reward. We have received an evangelist. And the principle is the deposit that God has placed in him that he has poured in here, we have received.
And we're going to honor that. We're going to honor that and we're going to sow seed into their lives. So I'm going to encourage you to grab an envelope. And you say, I've got $2. That's fine. You got a loony. That's fine. You don't need to have thousands of dollars in order to give. But I want to encourage you, if you want to see a harvest above and beyond, give. I believe in it. I believe in it. And I am expecting harvest in your lives. So I want to encourage you, even if you've got a a toonie in your pocket, God can turn that around something fierce. Don't ever... Do you have something? Do, do you want to say something, Mike? I can't hear you. Uh, yes, if you if you write a check, write it to the church, and we will be able to uh, give them the funds. So yes, please, um, we'll write it to the church. We have us. We're counting it as a separate offering, and we will be able to forward it through to King Ministries. But I want to take a moment. Pastor Daniel said at the beginning. I want you to take a moment and ask God if he's put a value on your mind. And if he has, I want to encourage you to be obedient. My wife and I, we're sowing. Because I believe that if I sow sparingly, I'll reap sparingly. (laughs) And I'm sowing bountifully. Because I want to reap bountifully. To me, it's like a no-brainer. So I want to encourage you, take a moment. We're blessing them. And you had mentioned yesterday from your your crusades that you've done, is that every dollar saved? So they have found in their crusades that every dollar they raise, they have found that that translates to a saved soul. Is that correct? Every loony saves a loony. Wow. So what you're doing is you're actually putting a deposit into the kingdom. And as he showed that, I got some examples and illustrations for next time I preach. I'm going to grab people and chairs. Um, but as he showed and he said, you, you, you can bring souls to heaven. You might, you might not see that soul that gets saved in India, but when you get to heaven, God all-knowing and God all-wise, he knows who's paid and who's put a deposit into people's lives. And you will reap the benefit. And you are actually laying up a treasure. You are depositing into the bank of heaven. And his credit is awesome. So I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm serious about this, and I want to take a few minutes... Because I want you to have the opportunity to receive the greatest reward that you can and the greatest harvest. So if you've got your offering, your, your gift, your seed, I want you to hold it. And you say, well, it's not much. That's okay. We're going to pray over it. God can multiply fish and loaves. He can multiply money. Amen? He had money show up in fish's mouths. So I'm asking God that even the money we receive will get multiplied supernaturally. So if you hold up your offering. Heavenly Father, 
we are doing this in obedience. That your word says to sow. Your word says that a man who gives and delivers the word is worthy of his honor. In fact, it's worthy of double honor. So today, Lord, we are honoring the evangelists Daniel and Jessica King. Lord, and we are targeting our harvest. We are targeting our seed to India this morning. Lord, we speak to the souls there that they will hear you. They will hear your word. We speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we call out your inheritance of saints. Lord, that when Daniel King and his team is there, Lord, that they will have a phenomenal increase. That they will go beyond their expectations. That it will go beyond their thoughts. And that they will see souls saved in a new way and in an outrageous manner. And Lord, as we give this morning, Lord, I pray over every seed. And I ask God that that seed would multiply. It may be planted as one, but it would come up and you would never count how many other seeds you can get from that one seed. Lord, let it be phenomenal. Let it be outrageous and let it be amazing that we would give you the glory. Because you alone are the one that can multiply these things. So Lord, I pray over my seed, my wife and my seed. And Lord... I'm expecting a harvest. And we're planting it in good soil. In exceptional soil. So Lord, I pray a blessing over this offering. I pray a blessing over Daniel and Jessica. Lord, thank you for bringing them. Lord, thank you for connecting us with them. Lord, I ask God that what they share today would infiltrate every one of our lives and that, Lord, we would change the way we see sharing you to others. In your precious name, and everybody said, amen. Ushers, if you could come forward. Hallelujah. You know, I believe the Lord is speaking to us prophetically this morning as our brother spoke. And uh, to give you a little bit of history of the church, this is one area that we have always found to be a weakness in the house. And we have prayed and prayed and tried ministries and prayed for this day. It takes five ascension gifts to complete a body. And we welcome you. And we look forward to more equipping from you. So that those who the Lord brings in with a passion for the lost will know how to do it. And the gift that you have, my brother and my sister needs to be imparted to many bodies because Jesus looks at his house and he says, I want my house to come to its fullness. And it can't come to the fullness without the five ascension gifts participating to equip saints. And so I want to speak this morning and agree with your prophetic word We receive that prophetic word. 
We release that prophetic word. We have prayed for that prophetic word. And we know it's not, a, it's not an accident that Pastor David received one for two. I pray. And God got us to think about people. And then he sends you. This this moment and this day is what we looked for for 32 years. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to bless you. I'm going to ask God that he would pour out his love on you this week. I'm going to ask God, yes, if you've got the blue papers that we can pray for, bring them up here. We have a, the basket. Also, the books at the back. Take a few moments. The investment is worth it. The teaching and the clarity that was displayed this morning and shared this morning is in the books. I've read, uh, Daniel actually gave me, seeded into my life, the book about Obed-Edom about two and a half years ago. He gave it to me without even knowing me. And I read it and I loved it. And it gave me a, an aspect of seeking after God's presence and how it affected his life. He was never the same after getting touched by the presence of God and by God's power. So those books are great. So please take a moment. It's an investment into your future and it's an investment into other people's future. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Expect something crazy. Uh, the offering's been taken. Pastor Nelson, uh, Matthew, can you just grab Pastor Nelson's offering and run it over to the, to the guys that are counting it? God bless you.